Hi, I'm Jen. Welcome to the Neuropathy Podcast, where I have yet to pick a solid name and where we discuss all things related to peripheral neuropathy, specifically the hereditary peripheral neuropathies. Today, we're going to talk about what it means to have hereditary neuropathy versus acquired neuropathy, what are the hereditary neuropathies, and how does one acquire a peripheral neuropathy, as well as the latest in neuropathy and UHN news. Let's get into it. So I think the most obvious um, difference between hereditary and acquired neuropathy is that hereditary neuropathy, whether you actually inherited it from a parent or not, once you have it, you have the chance of passing it on to your children. And those neuropathies are genetically based. They're due to mutations in your DNA. Whereas acquired neuropathy is caused by or is secondary to another disease process, trauma, exposure to something, something else happened first that then led to damage to the peripheral nervous system causing acquired neuropathy. So that brings us to what are the hereditary neuropathies and specifically How does one acquire a peripheral neuropathy? So let's start with the hereditary neuropathies. The three main types of hereditary neuropathy that I've seen, heard about, or read about are Charcot-Marie Tooth, hereditary neuropathy with liability to pressure palsy, and of course the group that I'm part of, the hereditary sensory autonomic neuropathies. Now there may be more and and these diseases might be a bit more nuanced than what I uh, get into here in this podcast today but those are the three big main known sort of categories you have the the motor neuropathies which are charcomery tooth they're all called charcomery tooth now You have the sensory and autonomic neuropathies, which encompass um, congenital insensitivity to pain, familial dysautonomia, and some Charcot-Marie-Tooth crossover type of uh, conditions. And then you have the one that causes uh, maybe temporary, sometimes permanent, Uh, paralysis to parts of the body due to nerve damage. To be a little more specific, we'll start with Charcot-Marie Tooth. So Charcot-Marie Tooth is considered a single disease that has multiple types and subtypes within each of those types. Because each different type and subtype has its own unique genetic mutation that causes it, they are separated that way. They share pretty much the same symptoms. There's a, there's a little bit of variation in there, but for the most part, they share basically all the same symptoms, and they're 
main, like, most important, most overwhelming, their biggest, most prominent symptom is the motor part of the neuropathy, which includes muscle wasting of the lower legs and deformities of the feet. That is a big one with Charcot-Marie Tooth. Like I said, the hereditary neuropathy with liability to pressure palsy, the main prominent thing there is that nerves can be damaged and sometimes temporarily, but also sometimes it can be somewhat permanent. There is some paralysis to a hand, a foot, both hands, both feet, arms, legs, that kind of stuff because the nerve was um, pinched in a way, if you will, but not pinched in the same way you get a pinched nerve in your back. It's a little bit more complicated than that. Now on to arguably the most complicated, hardest to figure out, most argued about, not even well-defined, nor well-typed, no two countries, organizations, researchers, or doctors agree on all the different types. The type that, the sort of umbrella type of disease that I have, hereditary sensory autonomic neuropathy. So if you look at it in its very basic forms, yes, all of the diseases or disease types under the HSAN heading are somewhat similar. They all include various levels of sensory and autonomic dysfunction. Those are the main prominent symptoms, and everything else is kind of secondary to that. They do, however, often come outside of familiar familial dysautonomia, come with secondary diseases or medical conditions or whatever as well, which complicates the matters even more. Uh, there's very rarely do you get an HSAN outside of familial dysautonomia and not also have something else as well, like mixed connective tissue disease and other deformities, malformations, and genetic mutations. To complicate matters further, Acquired neuropathy often shares many of the same symptoms of hereditary neuropathy. And you can acquire neuropathy through a lot of different things, a lot of different ways. Some of the biggest main ways that you can acquire neuropathy is through autoimmune disease, diabetes, type 2 and type 1 trauma to a part of your body, chemical exposure, uh, other toxin exposures, and I mean, there are so many different ways age. For the most part, though, acquired neuropathy mainly results in sensory deficits, but not in sensitivity to pain per se, just sensory deficits, 
and a lot of autonomic disorders. Gastrointestinal, heart, lung, those are the three biggest main ways. But you can develop temperature dysregulation. You can develop blood pressure dysregulation. There are a lot of different things that can go wrong with your autonomic nervous system as a result of having an autoimmune disorder like celiac disease or um, having treatment, chemotherapy treatment for cancer or just being 80 or 90 years old. Now, while the news and information we discuss here is helpful to all of these neuropathies, because in the end, it doesn't really matter other than for direct treatment of the neuropathy itself via genetic editing or that kind of stuff, the treatment of the symptoms of neuropathy are pretty much the same across the board. So these podcasts should be helpful. UHN, as a general resource, should be helpful to anybody with peripheral neuropathies, while our main focus will remain hereditary neuropathies. News advancements, and all of that kind of stuff will mainly focus on hereditary neuropathies. On to today's news for neuropathies and specifically UHN. I, after all these years, am finally setting up an actual website for UHN. After having a number of problems with Facebook, I still cannot always get into the notifications, so I can't always see messages that are sent to me. I can't always reply to messages sent to me. I don't really use Twitter and Instagram that much for UHN. In fact, I don't think I've used either of those in probably over a year now for UHN. Facebook has been the main driving force behind UHN because it was supposed to be the hub of UHN, the most social place where we could do the most things. The problems, the technical difficulties, they've made it all too difficult to keep it there. Now, I'm not closing down the Facebook page because it's still very important to our group, but I will be moving the bulk of everything related to UHN to its own website. And that should be opening up hopefully sometime before the end of this month or early next month. It'll have everything. It'll have the podcast with the show notes. It'll have direct access to Facebook. And we can always start up Twitter and Instagram again for UHN. It'll have news and press releases related to neuropathy advances. It'll have all of it. Plus, it will have a members area where you'll be able to download exclusive content made just for you. It'll be an all-encompassing website that will have all the information you could want, plus links to all the other resources for peripheral neuropathy. Tune in for next week's podcast 
all about the cost of living with chronic illness, and it's not what you think. We'll chat then. Bye.